Stand back. There's a hurricane coming through. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. But be the man. You gotta beat the man. Ooh, yeah. You got something mean, Gene. I just whipped your ass. How much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? You're welcome. For the benefit of those with flash photography. If you can survive if I let you. Welcome back to the Guys Nation Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, John, joined as always by my good friend, Rob. How you doing? Sole proprietor and El Jefe at Guys Nation. I'm not even uh, sure what El Jefe means, but I'm good with it. The boss. So we're going to talk about Money in the Bank, the pay-per-view itself, and uh, the Raw afterwards that took place in Brooklyn. Uh, some additional storylines that developed out of there. Uh, but let's go to the pay-per-view first and the main event, which was the WWE All-Stars Money in the Bank match. Uh, first of all, were you surprised with your winner, Mr. Randall Keith Orton? Not as surprised as I would have been uh, with a couple of the other guys, but yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, I think we both predicted that Daniel Bryan was going to be coming away with the briefcase again, but uh, I guess I can understand why they went with Orton. Yeah. Yeah, and he was kind of the other one that I was thinking about picking Uh probably let my emotion get the better of me to go with Brian. Orton actually made a lot more sense because, you know, Brian's just, he's he's been getting a push on his own. He doesn't need the briefcase. Um, you know, a lot of the times the briefcase serves to kind of elevate a guy that's not quite getting there yet, uh, which is really, with Orton's case, he's never won it before. He is a main event caliber guy, but he hasn't done anything to put him back legitimately in that picture, and now they give him this, and bam, he's right back in it. Yeah, and, and as we saw on Raw, it's it's not like the winner of that ladder match was is the guy who's going on to uh, SummerSlam with the the shot at John Cena. So. Yeah, yeah. There's and there's a tendency where we feel like yeah he's the next in line, but not necessarily. Yeah. So who knows how long Orton's going to hang on to it? Um, what did you think of the match itself? There were quite a few nasty bumps that went on. Yeah, I. I uh... I didn't think it was the best Money in the Bank ladder match I'd ever seen, but yeah. uh, it was certainly entertaining, um, no doubt about that. Um, I felt like Rob Van Dam's involvement was a little different than I thought it would be. Uh, he was still entertaining. Um, he just he seemed like he hadn't wrestled in a while, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Overall, to me, like the pace didn't quite didn't quite keep up as you know to the level that the first Money in the Bank match at the opening of the pay per view had done. Totally um, agree. Yeah, and you know I wonder if that's just partially because you got more main event level guys here that aren't used to kind of doing a lot of high spots or. But you know, and then also it seemed like some guys took some rough bumps. Like I think Orton when they were all on the ladder, like six of them on the ladder there, when he fell off, it looked like he kind of twisted his his knee almost. Um, and then Sheamus yeah. took a bad bump off the ladder, you know, when he jumped off the apron or the top rope, whatever it was. Yeah, I was I was half expecting uh, one of the bones in Orton's leg to be sticking out, and that's what he was holding on to. I was I was kind of afraid to to see him uh, let go of his shin, but um, yeah, it looked like he was all right. And uh, and I guess out of a lot of the guys, Orton came out. Uh, Rather unscathed. I mean, you, you know, you had uh, CM Punk that that bled like a stuck pig, and uh, Rob Van Dam got some uh, staples in his head too. So, yeah, it's pretty brutal. And I guess apparently that those Punk staples came from the uh, ladder shots he took from Mr. Heyman, which yep, was. Uh, I mean, and then I guess did Axel ran down first, right? Right. And he took out. He took out Daniel Bryan. That's right. That's right, yeah. Yeah, because at that moment I was like, oh, great. So uh, Daniel Bryan's going to be moving down to the Intercontinental Division for a little while. Oh, I know. Yeah, that was like everybody's first instinct. Yeah. Which I would have been okay with that 
I mean, obviously, I'd like to see him uh, near the top of the card. I was wearing my uh, Danielson Revolution 99 T-shirt. Um, <laughs> so, obviously, I'd like to see him uh, at the top of the card, but I would have been okay with him uh, being in a temporary feud with Axel, but I guess I guess that's a moot point at this juncture. Yeah. Yeah, so he comes down, he interferes with Brian uh, to kind of take him out of the picture, and then Heyman comes down. I guess uh, uh, CM Punk gave Axel a, uh, a GTS, right? Yep, put him to sleep. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, you get the turn from Heyman, which, you know, we kind of saw coming. They've had a strained relationship over the last month or so, and, you know, that combined leading into... Uh, the promo they had on Raw, it looks like we've got a pretty big feud brewing here between Punk and Lesnar. Absolutely. And I was, I was a little surprised at how uh, how, they, how they worked that with Heyman at the pay-per-view. I thought, I don't know, it's just something about it just didn't feel right. And I, I, don't know that, I don't know that I would have picked this way to go with the angle, but obviously they were building up to Lesnar versus Punk anyway, so... You mean kind of the method that Heyman used to interfere, like was just out of character, you thought, or...? Well, just kind of, you know, he came out and kind of yelled at Curtis Axel, like, hey, you know, you weren't supposed to mess with, with Punk. Why'd you get involved with him? You know, that's my guy. I, you know, that's my best friend. You know, I want him to win. Yeah. I thought something would happen that would keep Punk from winning, and then it would be more um, well, back and forth between he and Heyman about, you know, whether or not Heyman was still on his side. Well, maybe the real, if you look at it from a kayfabe standpoint, maybe what happened was Axel was supposed to interfere with Punk and then he gets GTS and Heyman has to come down and take care of it himself. Yeah. And so he's trying to play off he's trying to he comes down and tries to play off, oh, you know, Axel, what are you doing? I didn't direct you to do this, you know, so that so that Punk lets his guard down and then he takes care of it himself. Yeah, so I, I think in a storyline standpoint I think it does make a little sense. Yeah, I, I guess I was just thinking that maybe Heyman would draw out the storyline a little bit and, uh, you know, keep him from winning at Money in the Bank and then not get Lesnar involved on Raw for another couple of weeks. But, yeah. Well, Lesnar already F5'd him, right? Uh, yeah. A couple of weeks earlier, so figured they were going to set this up for SummerSlam. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, so I guess that's going to be one of our two main events. Um, so we got some pretty good matches to look forward to already. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, you want to go ahead and jump into the other Money in the Bank match that we had? Yeah, I I, uh, I figured it wasn't going to be long before you uh, brought that up because uh, your boy your boy pulled out the victory. Yeah, how funny that we mentioned that on the last podcast. How there was like no chance. <laughs> I mean, I guess I guess in the back of my mind, I, I thought maybe because he had been getting a couple tryouts there with some upper level guys, like they they paired him up with Orton and Sheamus several times. So I thought maybe they were testing him to see if they could put him into a, a bigger feud. And it, you know, and it makes a lot of sense having it go this way between him and Rhodes. Um, because Sandow has to be the heel. You know, he, he can't turn face anytime soon. Sure. Um, the briefcase is something, you know, he's never had any belt at all. He's never even been in a, in a match for a belt, I don't think, other than a tag belt. Um, so this gives him some legitimacy with the with the briefcase, and you know he kind of turns on Rhodes in the process, and that gives Rhodes a chance to go face, which freshens him up. Uh, so I think we could have a really cool feud out of this. What do you think? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually uh, I've already seen it listed as one of the uh, the potential or probable matches for SummerSlam. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Um, Unfortunately, I was talking to uh, to Jordan, uh, one of the other contributors on Guys Nation. Uh, yeah, talking, talking to him a little about it, and I was like, you know, oh, there's 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 no chance those guys are going to split up. They'll be they'll be kind of like DX, you know, where the, you know even if they're not a tag team, you know, they'll be they'll be paired up. You know, they're brothers, right? And you know, yeah. they'll they'll be in each other's corner during singles matches. And then Jordan was like, well, yeah, but Shawn Michaels and Triple H had had their feuds too. I was like, yeah, that's a good point, but I think it'll be a little while before we see anything like that. So I nope. on that one. Yeah, here it is right here. Yeah. Um, and I think it's great, you know, because it, it'll give them both a chance to really develop their character even more. 
especially Sandow, because you know he's just as good as he is on the mic. There just hasn't been enough depth there yet, um, and so this shows you that you know he's willing to sell out his friend to to get to the top. Yeah, um, and hopefully we get some great promos out of them. That was a little weird that they, you know, had him immediately lose to I guess was it Christian or, but. You know, I guess that's what they do when a guy gets a belt or a briefcase. They start losing matches, right? Yeah, because he doesn't really need individual victories right now. And uh, yeah, and I think I think it's Christian's turn to uh, build himself back up a little bit. Yeah, and it looks like the crowd's behind uh, Rhodes. He came out and impounded on Sandow after that match. Yeah, I always love heated little segments like that where it's you know they don't spend ten minutes on the mic going back and forth on, on things to let you know, here are the reasons why I hate you. I mean, yeah. It's all you know pretty evident at this point, and I'll look forward to the 10-minute promo you know, either on SmackDown or sometime next week. But uh, I don't know, there's something about just somebody just rushing in yeah. and uh, just laying the fists to somebody else. Just, just feels, it just feels right. Yeah, I totally agree. It makes perfect sense you know, because that's what the guy would do if this was real. You know, he looks for an opportunity to attack the guy that's wronged him. Um, you know, and that's what they did a lot, a lot of time back in the back in the day. You know, some of the uh, 1999 stuff I've been watching constantly. You know, like towards the end of a match, or you know, especially at that time, they would have a lot of disqualifications because guys would just run out. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that, that that really furthers feuds. You know, like Jeff Jarrett's wrestling, and all of a sudden the Rock comes down and beats him up. You know, it's like. Oh my God! You know, and they just don't do that as much anymore. So that was definitely a nice throwback. Yeah, um, I almost, I, I almost feel like it's better that they let the match finish first and then do the beatdown after the match. And I, I might be just dreaming this, but it seems like at one point there was a segment on one show where somebody said, "Look, you know, I'm tired of all these interferences. If if someone gets, if someone interferes in a match directly, they're going to be fined or something like that." Um, yeah, it does sound familiar, but I don't remember when it happened. Yeah, but either way, I, I kind of feel like that's the uh, the motivation that they have is to wait for the end of the match. And I, I like that better. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, but then of course, uh, the belt that Sandow's going to go after the match for that World Heavyweight Championship did see an interference before the end of the match. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess those fines don't uh, don't uh, don't apply to the women folk. Yeah. Right. So predictably, AJ comes down, and actually, this is kind of almost exactly how I called it, but <laughs> but uh, she comes down and like hangs out around ringside. He doesn't want her there, and then uh, she jumps into the ring, nails Del Rio with the belt, with her women's belt, Diva's belt, yeah. um, and you know Ziggler gets disqualified, so. We see the first crack in the relationship there, and then, of course, on Monday, he goes ahead with the dumping. Yeah. Uh, so it looks like Ziggler's being taken out of the uh, World Heavyweight Championship picture for the time being and going to have this feud with Big E that we thought was coming. Yeah, and I, I kind of like it. I like when there's uh, little detour feuds like this, like uh, like what CM Punk has going on with Lesnar. You know, keep keep interest in the character, keep him in something that feels heated, feels like something that he would, you know, be uh, prone to go for instead of just going right back for the belt. Yeah. Um, but I like the def- detour feud, and I, I think, uh, from what I've heard, um, Big E has a lot of potential, that he's shown a lot of stuff down in Florida, so I'm actually looking forward to seeing, you know, what he's capable of doing. Yeah, I agree. Um yeah, I've seen some of his his work on NXT. Uh, his big shtick was the five count. I don't know if you've seen him do that. No, but, uh, not yet. But he basically, you know, I think it's usually after the match. Um, he'll do another. He'll hit his move again on the guy and and they in count five with his own hand. Okay. Um, and so like the the fans, you know, he's a face in NXT, and the fans are like five count, five count. Oh, nice. Um, Feels like so, yeah. some. Feels like something that somebody used to do back in the day. Uh, maybe not a big character, but maybe somebody like Ludwig Borga or something like that, where right. they did something like a five count. Yeah, and he's you know he's obviously intimidating. Um, 
and he's probably a good pairing with Ziggler, you know, with Ziggler's ability to, to sell everything. Yeah. Um, those shoulder blocks and, you know, he, when he held up Ziggler for that finisher, I mean, the way he just, like, dangles on his shoulder is, is great. Well, I, I thought it was great how uh, Ziggler just, you know, was essentially dead weight and that uh, yeah. Big E had to force him up off the mat. And I was, It was one of those moments where, like, okay, yeah, I know this is this is fake and whatever, but uh, I was like, man, what if, uh, what if Ziggler's actually not doing all right at this point? Yeah. Know? And I, I like the way um, it, there's not much to sell out of Big E's move. You know, you just kind of hang there, and then he falls, and you fall with him. But I don't know, just a little nuance that I noticed was that uh, Ziggler's knees hit the mat, like, right as Big E hit. And it's like, yeah, that makes total sense that, you know, somebody's legs aren't going to, you know, fly out behind them. You know, if he's dead weight, he's just going to be dangling there, right? Yeah, true. But, uh, yeah, so I don't know, just all those little nuances, I, I just, I like it. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and so I think, and I think this is good because we'll get another legit big man uh, involved here. And Biggie's got kind of a cool style. I think hopefully he'll get some mic work. Um, we'll see. We'll see if he becomes the latest AJ uh, relationship that ends poorly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned that because uh, I was actually going to say, do you think we will get to see? Uh, AJ make out with yet another WWE superstar. Oh, yeah. Why wouldn't she make out with Big E right in front of Ziggler? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I could see that being, you know, something that she would do to, you know, make him jealous. But the fact that he broke up with her, right. maybe she's not going to use that. And, you know, at some, point, at some point with AJ, you almost have to get her to stop just you know, being attached to guys and have it be a relationship. I mean, she could have Big E as, you know, her, her. I don't know, I don't want to say manager, but like a bodyguard, I guess, and she yeah. could be in his corner. Um, essentially what I'd like, you know, this uh, essentially the same thing I'd like to see out of Vicky Guerrero being in Ryback's corner eventually, but yeah, we'll see if that plays out. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's definitely been... AJ's shtick has been going on way too long. I mean, it's it was over a year ago that we had the uh, the wedding with, you know, her and Daniel Bryan or something, and then Vince comes out and makes her GM, and then she's in love with Punk. I mean, this is all this stuff. And yeah. she's just been consistently having the same crazy chick, jumping from guy character, you know, for a while now. So you definitely... At some point, they got to wrap up the craziness. You know, I don't see how she can run around yelling and screaming the rest of her career. Although I guess it works for Vicky, but yeah, a little bit. Although I think some people would uh, would argue that it doesn't work for Vicky. So yeah, yeah. And then uh, we both got wrong AJ's match. Uh, we thought Caitlyn would take the belt, but she didn't. And it was pretty much a vanilla match, uh, from what I remember. Nothing really exciting, clean finish with the Black Widow, so right. I don't know. I guess they're just taking AJ, or uh, Caitlin straight out of that picture, and we'll see who they put in there. Yeah, it's kind of disappointing because uh, obviously AJ has something exciting going on right now, and you know if she's involved in a continuing feud at this point, it's like what's, you know, what's the point? That's like her secondary motivation at this point, right? Yeah. I mean, who who cares if uh, if she's also battling Layla as she's going through all this stuff with uh, Big E and Dolph, right? It's like an afterthought. So yeah, yeah, we could see that that belt not even defended at SummerSlam. I don't know. I mean, they're gonna have to figure something out quick. Yeah, um, that could end up being like a pre-show match. Uh. But one belt we do know is going to be defended at SummerSlam is the WWE Championship. Now, they closed out. Well, first of all, we had the uh, the match with Cena and Mark Henry. Uh, I had picked Henry to go over, but I was mostly picking that thinking that they would close the show. As soon as they weren't closing the show, I was pretty dead set thinking that Cena was going to win. How surprised were you that it didn't end the show? I really wasn't that shocked, actually, because they did that. They didn't. It, Cena didn't end the show recently another time, too. Um, I can't remember what it was. Maybe the Elimination Chamber. 
but uh, yeah, so uh, you know, I, the match itself was fine, but it kind of went in a really predictable fashion. You know, as soon as Henry starts beating him down for like the better part of ten minutes, you know what's going to happen, right? Right. You know, Cena hulks up and then just kind of finishes him off. Now, I don't know about you, but I was really disappointed that they decided to go with a submission ending. Yeah, I, I, I was I was really surprised that they had uh, Mark Henry tap out. I I thought, you know, maybe he would struggle and struggle and struggle and maybe pass out. Yeah. But uh, tapping out in what in what might have been his last match, it just it felt kind of wrong. Yeah. And not only and, and the way it happened, you know, because he gets him in, was it the STF or whatever the hell he calls it, and. You know, and he's in it, and he's struggling, and it's dramatic for like a good 10, 15 seconds, and then he picks him up and pulls him away from the rope and puts it back in, and then he taps immediately. Like, there yeah. was no struggle. There was no drama. Yeah, um, I mean, isn't Mark Henry the same guy that was uh, pulling the uh, the tractor trailers like a month or two or three months ago? I mean, he, he's the guy that, you know, he, he struggles and struggles and struggles, and then he makes it happen, right? Yeah, I mean, he's the he, world's strongest man. Right. So yeah. you would think he would at least try and do a uh, a push-up or something to uh, dislodge John Cena. And... Yeah. Nope. And plus you, have, plus you have the foreshadowing with Cena not being able to get him up for the uh, whatever attitude adjustment. Yeah. Um, so you, I, I just assumed that was going to be the ending. It, you know, he would finally get him up for the attitude adjustment, and that'd be it, and that'd be fine—a fine way to end it. You know, at least he goes down being pinned. But yeah, so I thought that was a really weak payoff on a good angle. You know, yeah, it, I mean, was, it was a nice build-up. They could have had w- much more of an epic match, but they really didn't do anything with it. Yeah, I mean, kayfabe perspective, if you're Mark Henry and you know that John Cena can't lift you up and put you on his shoulders to hit the attitude adjustment, how are you preparing for this match? You should be having some submission guys in the gym with you trying to figure out a way to get out of that uh, right. STF, whatever it is. Yeah, and the media tap on the on the second time led me to believe that he was just like, F this. You yeah. Know? Yep. And, but, uh, and and by the way, the last time John Cena didn't main event the pay-per-view was back in May at Extreme Rules when we had Brock Lesnar defeating Triple H. That's right. Yeah, I knew they didn't. I knew he didn't close recently. Yeah. All right. So, you know, Triple H is the one guy that can take top billing because he took top billing at SummerSlam too last year, right? Uh, yep. Against Brock Lesnar, right? Yep. Yeah. So, I wonder if that means they'll put Punk and Lesnar to finish this one. I, I can't really see that. i, I got to think they put Cena and Brian last. Yeah, I, I think that's the way you have to go with that one. So, yeah, that's that's where we're going towards next here. Uh, Cena retains, doesn't have an opponent for the next uh, major SummerSlam pay-per-view. So, you know, they've only got four Ross to build up for that, and they decide to go with him picking his own opponent as one of... Uh, Brad Maddox's first decrees in the new Bratitude era um, gives John Cena the chance to be in the the ring there, and he kind of buries most of the roster. And I liked how they set it up where you couldn't even see Brian, like he yeah. just wasn't even there, and so yeah, was, it, and he didn't even get mentioned. So you you don't, you don't even know if he's actually out there. Right, I was actually wondering where he was, but yeah. But, uh, you know, that's part of the whole shtick is that he's so short. Of course, they put him in the back. Um, but, yeah, so he, you know, the crowd is chanting for Brian the whole time and Cena gives them what they want. Everybody loses their collective S. Uh, pretty exciting. You know, it looks like we're going to have quite a, a, you know, main event with a lot of heat going for it. Yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to see how they build this up because they're both portrayed as faces. Um, they both yeah. have their sets of fans. Um, the one thing I hope they don't do is the old angle where uh, you know the, the two faces who are set to have a match in the future um, end up winning the tag team championships. <laughs> uh, you've seen that Stone Cold and 
Uh, Stone Cold and probably a couple other guys, right? Stone Cold and Shawn Michaels is one that comes to mind. But, uh, yeah. yeah, so I hope they don't go that route. Um, but I'm very interested to see how they play this up going forward. Yeah, I mean, that's a big question. Like, are they going to lay a hand on each other at all in the in the buildup? Are they going to do that typical face thing where it's all about respect, you know? Yeah, I, mean, I, yeah. I would venture to guess that they won't end up hitting each other before the match. It'll be almost like a uh, like a boxing buildup or a MMA buildup or, you know, maybe they have some tense moments, but it's treated more like, you know, these two ti- these two guys are both, you know, near the top of their profession and uh, they've got a big title fight coming up. Yeah. And you got to, I mean, they still got three Raws to get through. Um, so you got to figure there's going to be kind of, as you said, like a detour, at least match or two for each of them. Uh, I don't know really where you can go. I mean, I, I figure there's going to have to be a big promo at some point where they're both in the ring promoing each other. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to see who they involve in this uh, angle. And, um, you know, it, it probably won't be Kane given what he's got going on. But uh, I have to think that they're going to involve somebody else, maybe a heel saying, you know, Daniel Bryan's not... Uh, not worthy of the title shot, and and John Cena saying, "Well, you know, I did pick him. He's not, you know, he didn't he didn't get put there based on uh, being the top contender, but he's still talented, and you know, have that he'll try and take away the opportunity, and you know, whatever, maybe something like that. Just just one additional piece to the feud that can kind of try and cast doubt that you know, and and." Daniel Bryan will give us reason to think that uh, he is he is worthy. He is legit. Yeah, um, <clears throat> and yeah, he'll probably have to have at least one like kind of build up uh, or enhancement match. You know, maybe against like Fandango or something. But uh, you know, one of the things that I think might get inserted into this is that it was Brad Maddox's call, and we didn't see Vince on Raw. I don't think we only saw Triple H and Stephanie. Um, so maybe next week Vince comes out and he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, I didn't approve this since when does the champ get to pick his opponent? Um, you know, and then that kind of, he can play off the past where we've seen him talking about how he doesn't think Daniel Bryan's big enough. Uh, you know, he shouldn't be anywhere near the WWE championship, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I could see the, them involving McMahons in this situation. Um, and they can be kind of the proxy to get the heel heat. Yeah, and I, I think um, Triple H and Stephanie, they almost hinted at it. I guess they did kind of hint at it um, when they were talking to Brad Maddox backstage during Raw where they said, you know, we have an idea for who he might pick. And I hope he doesn't pick that guy because Vince is not going to be happy Yeah. and blah, blah, blah. So they, they, kind of, they kind of gave you a strong hint that that's the direction they were going to end up going. Yeah. So. So the but the real question here is, do you see them going ahead and letting Brian win this time, or is this just the first of his shots before he finally gets it? I would say he probably will win it because I think he's going to need to be, you know, a defiant force, um, you know, kind of the underdog and proving himself. And he really needs a big win like this over John Cena. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else that he could kind of get a win over that would be just as legit as this, maybe CM Punk. But I feel like he needs this win. He, he needs it over somebody of this caliber on this caliber of pay-per-view. If, yeah. if he doesn't win this, then I would almost hope that... Uh, it would end up being over, you know, Brock Lesnar or um, CM Punk or Randy Orton, maybe at uh, Survivor Series, something, something of that magnitude. Yeah, I agree. He definitely needs a high-profile win, and uh, you know. But the one thing that I wonder about is, it seems like in the past when they they have a guy that they're about to elevate to the main event. Um, that usually he has to have a few cracks before he finally gets there. Uh, you know, like Stone Cold was pretty much ready to be there in late 97, and it still it, it bled into 
the next WrestleMania before he finally won. Same thing with The Rock. You know, he had he was ready for a long time, and then it took until Survivor Series in '98. You know, he was ready that whole summer to win it. Um. So, but then at the same time, Brian's been around. You know, he had the the heavyweight championship, and he did have two WWE championship matches with CM Punk last uh, summer. So, you know, maybe he's already paid the dues. Maybe they've already done that. You know, I think, you know, after uh, he lost to Sheamus big time in uh, at WrestleMania, you know, they, I think they kind of said, okay, now that we've seen what you could do when you're at that level, let's take you back a little bit, take you down, you know, a couple of rungs in the ladder, Let's let's see how you do with some other uh, character development uh, angles, and I think he hit a home run with uh, the stuff with Kane. I mean, I don't, I don't know anybody who's gonna um, deny that. So I, I feel like you know the the evidence and what he can do, and um, you know what what the the crowd reaction is gonna be to him. I feel like at this point it's kind of undeniable that uh, you know he's he's worthy of being there. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, you know, building a guy up to a certain level and then knocking him back down for some more character development is something that we keep seeing, you know, they're doing that with Ryback right now, I think, um, where they, you know, they put him in a main event situation, he did what he could, and now they knock him back down to the ground and they're going to build him back up maybe with some more depth, hopefully. But, uh, yeah, so, I, yeah, it seems to me that Brian's ready. Um I sure would like to see it, uh, but there's always that looming specter of whether or not Cena's going to put someone over cleanly. Uh, but I guess we'll have to see how the buildup goes to see if we can get some hints towards that. Yeah, and, and I don't know what you would think about this, but there's always the, uh, the chance that um, that Vince McMahon, you know, talking down about Daniel Bryan and, and not being a big fan of his, um, you know, there, there's a chance that that's all red herring and that... Uh, at the end of all this, uh, Vince McMahon helps Daniel Bryan win the title. Sure. Right? And ends up uh, being like, "No, nah, you're kidding! I love this guy. He's he's you know he's an underdog. He's a he's a fighter. He's just like a McMahon, you know, something like that." Right. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be interesting, and I, I certainly hope Vince gets involved because everything's better when he's around. Uh, so you want to take a quick break here, and then we'll. Uh, touch on the rest of what happened to Money in the Bank and the Wyatts and uh, you know RVD and whatever else is happening on Raw and we'll be right back Nation Wrestling Podcast. Just listening to a little bit of Curtis Axel's new theme. Nice uh, homage to his father there. And I guess they mixed in his original theme too. It's Michael McGillicuddy, right? Um, I think you would have to ask the uh, one or two people that actually know what that song sounded like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, they've got multiple versions of this one of the Curtis Axel's theme. There's at least three, I think, that have been played. Yeah, I think they're um, still trying to settle on something they like. So at least one of them has some some notes from the old uh, one. But, yeah, I like that they did that, though. That's really cool. Because, yeah. you know, Mr. Perfect had a great theme. Absolutely. It was one of the, one of the best uh, best theme songs of his era. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of Axel, he uh, he goes goes ahead and takes care of the Miz at Money in the Bank. Not a whole lot of fallout from that match, I thought. I thought it was just pretty much a way to get the Incontinental title involved, get uh, get the Miz on pay-per-view, and that was about it. Um, did you have any thoughts on it? Um, the one thing that I did notice, uh, and I'm probably one of the last people to actually pick up on this, or uh, maybe it's such a loose connection that it doesn't even really matter, but uh, I, I thought it was thought it was interesting that uh, you know recently the Miz had been... Uh, Getting you know uh, mentored a bit by Ric Flair, and yeah. obviously there's the uh, the connection between uh, Curtis Axel and Mr. Perfect. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, back in the day before uh, Ric Flair had to leave WWE in, like, you know, what, 93 or... Late 92. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, the feud was Flair versus Perfect. So uh, yeah. Yeah, it's almost like you've got perfect. that feud all over again. Perfect beat him on a loser leaves town match right on Raw. Yep. Yeah, I remember that. That was a time period when I really got into it. Um, the first time that I really started, like I was watching, you know, before Raw came on, I was watching primetime wrestling. I loved the uh, the connection of Bobby the Brain, Mr. Perfect, and Ric Flair. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Was that trio the, was so great. Was that the Heenan family? Uh, I don't know if they called it that. Because it was Seems all like, about Ric Flair, really. Yeah. And they referred to Mr. Perfect as the executive consultant because he wasn't actually wrestling at that time. Yeah. And they had so, the... Go ahead. I was going to say, it was so odd that uh, back in the day you would have guys like Mr. Perfect not wrestle for a little while, then he'd come back. You had Randy Savage who took uh, a couple of different uh, hiatuses. You yeah. Know, there was, I mean, he was doing commentary at uh, WrestleMania 9, he had wrestled. He ended up wrestling at WrestleMania 10, and yeah. uh, of course, he was you know a big deal before that. But yeah, he was like my first hero. I never really got into Hogan that much, but I was really into Macho Man, and I really wasn't an Ultimate Warrior guy either. I know I had a lot of friends that were. Yeah, I never understood those people. I, I never got into Ultimate Warrior. the The only time I think I ever cheered for Ultimate Warrior is when he ran down to the ring. Um, to save Hogan uh, yeah. against Sid when Papa Shango had shown up. Oh, yeah. That was great. And that was before uh, anything got spoiled, so we had no idea he was going down. Yeah, and I, I think we're going to have to do a special podcast at some point where we talk about some of our favorite characters from back in the day. Um, I wanted to do something when uh, when Doink passed away uh, yeah. weeks ago, because Doink was definitely one of my all-time favorites, and... I feel like explaining that to some people, but yeah, I mean, I definitely like to hear your explanation because he was a little annoying to me. But I, I'm I'm sure there's some redeeming value there. But uh, he he uh, was actually involved with the uh, wrestling promotion that they started up out here, um, uh, Portland Wrestling Uncut. He was uh, he was on TV with them a bunch of times. Oh, I guess wow. he lived out here. And and a so. uh, weird fact is that uh, you know. Over the years, a couple of different guys have played Doink, and, and the guy you're talking about is, you know, actually the original one. But one of the guys that has like Mike something, or I think um, I'm going to butcher it, so I'm not even going to try. Yeah. But uh, one of the guys that portrayed Doink in WWE is actually um, my nephew's math teacher from last year. Oh, nice. Yeah, back at our old alma mater. So I bet you marked out when you found that out, huh? Um, I knew it wasn't the original one, so I wasn't, you know, as excited. You know, it was just some guy that, you know, bought the uh, the wig and the outfit and got paid to do it. But uh, I, I still have to meet him at some point. Matt Osborne was the original. Uh, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So. Yeah, we'll definitely do some nostalgia here and there on the show and maybe even a special episode at some point. But uh, so much for Miz and Axel. I don't really see much coming out of this. Um, another title fight that was pretty amazing, I thought, was the pre-show with uh, the Usos taking on the Shield. A lot of mm-hmm. back and forth. They made the Usos look really strong. Uh, a couple times I legitimately thought they'd they had gone over the shield. I mean, they they knocked one of them out, you know, to the outside, so they couldn't stop, you know, the the pinfall. But they still kicked out, so and eventually got the win. But a lot of really cool spots. Um, the one that everybody's going to remember, of course, is uh, getting all four guys involved in a top rope spot there, when Reigns kind of power bombs one of the Usos, who's suplexing another guy, who's suplexing. Uh, <laughs> God damn it! What's his name? Uh, One of the Usos, right? No, no, no. The other Shield member. Why am I drawing? Reigns. Reigns uh, and Rollins. Seth Rollins. Right. He's like kind of belly to backing Seth Rollins, who's suplexing the other Uso. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. Um, so even, yeah. Go ahead. I was gonna say props for even trying to describe that move because I'm 
I'm not sure. I would have. I would have just said four guys in the corner and they all fall down. So. Yeah, basically. I mean, it kind of looked like that live, but then they showed a bunch of replays, and you're like, oh, my God, they really were, like, pulling off moves in that. Um, yeah, so a really cool spot there. They, they obviously put a lot of work into the match because there were some great, great moves, and, like, one of the Usos took them up onto the uh, top rope for the Simone drop. and So, you know, they looked real strong, uh, and then they both came out in the middle of the World Heavyweight Championship Money in the Bank, when the Shield tried to help Ambrose win, and then the Usos came out and stopped him. So it looks like that feud's going to continue. You know, I think that's probably pretty good. Um, and I thought the Usos uh, might take the belt uh, at this pay-per-view, but uh, certainly, although I guess we both predicted the Shield, I, I still thought there was a chance that the Usos might take it. But uh, the fact that they'll probably get a rematch at um, SummerSlam, probably a pretty good chance that we're going to see new champions, and I'm, I'm with that. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even think they were going to look strong. I, I just kind of, I don't know, nothing stuck out to me like this would be a great match, but it ended up being by far the best pre-show uh, that they've had since they started doing this. Uh, I mean, it was a good probably 15-minute match at least. Um, so, yeah, they gave that one away for free, and it was great. Uh, you know, I actually missed the match, um, and I had to go back and watch it on YouTube because uh, I was stuck at a wing wing place that I, whose uh, whose name I won't mention because uh, hopefully hopefully they're a potential sponsor in the future because I do like their food, especially yeah, their fried pickles. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I was stuck there because their uh, their counter people couldn't figure things out. A place but, we uh, used to go to to watch pay per views, but I guess they didn't have it on there, huh? Yeah, they did not. Yeah. Apparently some places still do that, just not where we live. Yep. But, uh, so it looks like they're probably going to have another match. Now, the Shield uh, decided to attack uh, Mark Henry on Raw. And I think a lot of us expected the Usos might run out there, but they didn't. Um, So I don't know what's going on with that. Maybe that's just a way to get Mark Henry off TV for a while. I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess that's one option. I, I I don't necessarily suppose that they're going to go the uh, the route of trying to make him sympathetic again. Um, and I could see him off off air for a while and then come back and uh, come back refreshed and maybe have one little one more little run. Maybe put over uh, Dean Ambrose with a little feud. Um, you think there's any chance this gets tied in with? Uh... You know, somebody being behind the shield, that whole angle that we thought was going to get culminated at some point, they kind of went away. You know, and then there was always the thought that maybe Cena has something to do with it because they never attacked him, really. Uh, uh, I think it's doubtful. I think they're just going to end up dropping that. Yeah. Unfortunately. Right. I mean, another one of those angles that they just uh, could have been something awesome and then poof. It's like the ending of Lost. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of. There's a lot of foreshadowing over the last year. I think they've done a good job of keeping in mind some of the stuff they've done in the past and actually making it matter later. So I'm just wondering if this, where this can go, because um, it was pretty random to attack Mark Henry. Uh, the only connection I can think of is that he just faced John Cena, and they've had a history of attacking people that were in the WWE Championship picture. But. I don't know. Maybe nothing will happen. Uh, I'd be ahead. a little surprised. I'd be a little surprised if John Cena's behind the whole thing. But uh, yeah, I'm not necessarily thinking that he'd be a mastermind. But there, it just feels like there could be a tie-in because there's, it's happened a number of times. Yeah, it could be. Could be. Yeah. You know, or maybe you know. I think I've seen some speculation where people are saying, well, you know, the Shield are are a uh, are a proxy for Vince McMahon. You know, he's he's already patted them on the back and the in the backstage area, and said, "Oh, how about those shield, those young guys?" You know. Yeah, it was. Um, that was right after Dean Ambrose uh, successfully defended his title against uh, somebody. Uh, feels like it was probably on Raw. Can't remember. It's Christian, uh, maybe. Yeah, or maybe Kane. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah either way, so, that's, that's the segment you're talking about. Yeah, and so you've got a hint there where he likes the shield, and he doesn't like Daniel Bryan. Uh, so the shield ensures that John Cena's champion. 
so that Daniel Bryan can't. I don't know. I, I could see them tying all that in somehow. There's some loose connections there. Yeah, I think maybe uh, the best thing to do on this one is uh, we. I mean, we could speculate for another half hour, but uh, yeah, I think by this time next week uh, we'll have a, a better idea of you know where they're headed next and see if yeah if any inklings. Yeah, so we think they're probably gonna face the Usos again, and then we got we think Ambrose and Christian are probably being set up. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's. Uh, I was expecting potentially have that on last pay per view, but uh, of course they're they were both in the. Uh, the contenders uh, version of the uh, Money in the Bank. So. Yeah. And another guy that used to get attacked by the Shield a lot, Ryback, actually won his match. Um, I was of the opinion that he was probably going to get buried further, but it uh, looks like they let him go over on Jericho, albeit in a roll-up. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought that was a little interesting, the way he won, but you know, anything, guess, that, anything they can do at this point to make him more interesting and more... Uh, three-dimensional, less, you know, less of a one-note type of guy, right? Yeah, true. I mean, I guess it would have been more of the same if he just marched Jericho around the ring and, and did his shell shock on him. Although there was really no uh, Vicky to be seen, I think, during that match, so we'll see whether or not that angle continues. Yeah, and I, I don't like spoilers, but I've heard that uh, something happens on SmackDown and Vicky might be involved in something else. So. Yeah, I unfortunately kind of saw that too. Okay. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it could have been interesting if he would have had Vicky with him, but I suppose he can have some character growth without Vicky. Well, they, uh, you know, I think I'm pretty sure what the angle is with Vicky. I think they could still use that to Ryback's advantage. He could get some preferential treatment. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, so, uh, but yeah, either way, I mean, it is something where it's a different ending for Ryback, so, you know, and he's had that whole situation where he's like faking injury. Um, so, you know, they're kind of putting some depth to his character, so that's probably a good thing. Because uh, yeah, he really he really wasn't ready to be a top star with as being as one-dimensional as he was. Yeah, I mean, you you would essentially have uh, Goldberg 2.0, and I don't, I don't think anybody else wants that. So Yeah. So, uh... The... Remind, remind me next week... Um, when we have this podcast again, uh, remind me to bring up what I think Ryback's next feud should be, because um, I can't really talk about it until next week. Uh, okay. Because I don't want to give away spoilers to anybody who doesn't want them. Right. Uh, okay. But uh, yeah, just remind me about that. Yeah, definitely. We'll get on that. Um, so I think we've we've covered all the matches really at. Money in the Bank. Um, not sure if there's anything else to touch on there. I mean, you got Del Rio now needs an opponent. We'll see where they go with that. Uh, you know, it's possible. I guess it's possible that Ziggler and Biggie wrap up quickly, or maybe that gets rolled into Del Rio as like a triple threat. I don't know. Yeah, well, Rob Van Dam is going to need an opponent. That's true. RVD could be inserted into that picture pretty quickly, too. I might actually yeah. kind of like to see a Rob Van Dam versus Alberto Del Rio feud. I think that could be mildly entertaining. Yeah, and so it looks like he's going to be on kind of a Jericho-type deal, right? I mean, he's actually going to wrestle every week. Yeah, it looks like it, unless they're just trying to get their money out of him uh, in the beginning. But I've, I heard somebody say that uh, Rob Van Dam was signed to a, a multi-year deal, right? I don't know. I heard it was like uh, maybe a three-year deal that he wants to retire with WWE. I don't know, but I mean, Holy I could see them. I could see them feeding uh, feeding Rob Van Dam to uh, Alberto Del Rio uh, here at, at uh, SummerSlam. Yeah, I mean, and from RVD's perspective, it makes a lot of sense to go to WWE right now. I mean, it sounds like TNA is kind of a sinking ship, and and he's got. You know, probably a good three years left as far as being able to compete at the level that he's built for himself, you know. Yeah, and, and I did want to bring this up. Um, now is probably the best best time out of any time. Um, I'll just take two minutes. Um, I know a lot of people listening and probably half the people on this podcast are not going to be watching um, TNA's Impact tomorrow night um, or 
Thursday night whenever whenever people are listening to this. Um, or, would, or any week. <laughs> yeah. Well, the reason I bring it up is that uh, TNA uh, cut back their pay-per-view schedule. They're no longer doing one every month. And they're doing, you know, intermediate uh, kind of big events along the way. And tomorrow is actually um, one of those big events. Um, they actually just took one of their pay-per-views called Destination X. And uh, instead of having it be a pay-per-view this year, there's having it be a special edition of, uh, of Impact. Um, it's going to be live. Uh, they're touring these days, so it's not going to be in the Impact Zone. So you're going to have a decent crowd. Um, I actually attended a uh, Destination X match or pay-per-view back in the day, uh, probably probably four or five years ago, um, down in Norfolk, and yep. it was a good time. And they haven't announced too many matches yet, but they will probably have um, an Ultimate X match. Which, if you haven't seen it, essentially just stick a pole in each of the four corners and cross like essentially a ring rope di- diagonally across the ring, so it forms an X. And then, uh, and then they hang, uh, you know, like a, a title. It'll probably be a title tomorrow night or Thursday night um, from the middle of the X, and there's no ladder. So you essentially have to climb up, jump onto the rope, and find a way across, and uh, there's almost always some carnage that uh, ends up out of that. So, huh. Okay, so the ropes are actually high up. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's, it's essentially... Um, Probably not quite the height that uh, a ladder match would be, but uh, yeah. So essentially, um, you have to take uh, I don't know, like a ten foot pole in each corner gotcha. and go straight up, and then the the ropes, you know, diagonally across the ring to form an X. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So if if you don't typically watch TNA, I would recommend uh, at least trying to catch the highlights this week. Um, they're actually doing a little bit of better job of um, putting pictures up on Facebook and uh, having some video on uh, on their website. So cool. I'm not I'm not as big of a proponent of uh, TNA wrestling as I was um, probably three years ago because they've had a lot of changes that I didn't really care for. But uh, I'd recommend if if you have any interest in it, checking it out this week. Cool. Yeah, I might do that. I, I try to check in on it every once in a while, but, you know, there's just... The thing that always gets me is the camera work. It, just so spoiled by WWE, you know. Yeah, the production um, values aren't as good, that's, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, and that's usually the problem. I mean, I, I think some of the characters I've seen are definitely interesting enough. Uh, if they just had better production, I think that would make a huge difference for them. Yeah, well, they're, they're starting to push the mojo again, and uh, pushing a guy named Austin Aries, who I really like. And uh, again, Chris Saban um, has a title shot uh, tomorrow night against the guy uh, Bully Ray. Uh, used to be Bubba yeah. Ray from uh, Dudley's. So yeah, yeah. And I, I saw when Bully Ray won his title. I saw that match over uh, Jeff Hardy. It's yeah. like a cage or something, right? Yeah, probably something like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, but, we will uh, definitely try to work in a little TNA here and there. Okay. So I'm sure our fans will clamor for it. Uh, and then we can get crazy and like talk about Chikara, which I guess is non-existent right now. And, and well, Ring of Honor has their uh, 16-man tournament for their uh, vacant world title. Mm. We can always talk about that at some point. Yeah, I tuned into that not too long ago and saw Kevin Kelly, and I was like, huh, he's still around. Yep. So he I, looks uh, exactly the same. Yep. Uh, I don't uh, I don't have the means to uh, tune into that because... Apparently there's a station in Baltimore that'll let me watch, but uh, I'm not in Baltimore. So, um, but I, I was looking through the the 16 names in this tournament, and uh, having not watched uh, Ring of Honor or kept up with it for like a year and a half, I only know like four names. Yeah. So yeah. Well, they they actually post full episodes on YouTube on their own yeah. YouTube channel. There you go. I but it's usually like a it's at least like a week delay usually though. Right. But uh, anyway, so let's jump back in. Uh, one of the other main storylines I wanted to touch on uh, is the Wyatts. Uh, we've already seen a couple promos. They beat down Kane this week. They go after our truth 
Yeah, um, you know, I, I saw I saw R Truth coming out, and then I saw the Wyatt family, and I was like, hey, look, a, a viable contender for the Wyatt family. Maybe they aren't going to get that huge push that everybody was thinking. Yeah, really. Um, yeah, and then, uh, you know, it's really cool the way that, I don't know if you've noticed, uh, when they're coming down to the ring and Bray's holding the, the lantern, like right in front of his face, so his face is lit up. Yeah. He doesn't blink. Huh. I went back and watched both both the times he's done it, and he's he just stares straight ahead for a good thirty seconds or however long it is as they're coming down. So the little things like that he does does well. I think that adds a lot to the kind of the creepiness of his character. Yeah. Um, you know, and the rocking chair is obviously really really cool too. But uh, they go after our truth, and then they cut a promo and. Somebody pointed this out on our favorite site, uh, our favorite wrestling community, the Squared Circle on Reddit, um, that really that whole promo he gave that appeared to be towards the crowd or towards our truth was actually directed at Kane. Uh, yeah, I, I picked up a little bit on that right there at the end, and I meant to uh, rewind it to go check it out because it did, it did seem like he made a reference that could have been directed uh, in reference to The Undertaker, and yeah. so obviously he was giving that towards Kane, but uh, but I, I think you found a, a transcript of it or something like that? Yeah, pretty much, just the uh, just the highlights, and yeah, you're right, he did kind of reference Kane at the end, but um, you know, some of the little highlights throughout the speech that seemed to be referencing Kane were like when he said, there ain't no such thing as a hero. Um just kind of like maybe calling Kane out for trying to be a face when it's not really him. Right. Uh, the man who made you is a liar. That could be Paul Bearer, right? Yeah, yeah, that or the Undertaker. Sure. And then, well, then right after that, your own flesh and blood turned his back on you, which there is you the Undertaker. Right. And then he says, "I will never turn my back on you." Um. So it's like they're trying to recruit Kane. I don't think not necessarily start a feud with him, but recruit him for his flock. Right. Which I think is a nice change from the shield, you know, instead of being just another faction that comes down and beats ass, he's going to start trying to recruit people. And, um, and anything that would be similar to uh, what we got in the Ravens flock back in WCW back in the day, that really works for me. I mean, Raven, um, I think I... I think I flooded your inbox one time with videos with uh, yes. a Raven, uh, you know, one of my all-time favorites, and uh, rightfully so. I think he's super talented, and that was a really interesting angle. And I'm not sure that Bray Wyatt can live up to what Raven did, but I think, you know, I don't know that what happened back in the '90s is going to work today. But I think, I think this is just as good of a call-up as any. Yeah, and then uh, he he kind of he wrapped up the. Uh the promo saying, you know, you are not the truth we seek, follow the buzzards. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I think he's trying to recruit Kane. I think that'd be a really cool way to, to keep Kane interesting. Um, and I think, because I think Wyatt has a lot of a lot of potential. I mean, the guy, we haven't seen him wrestle yet, but uh, you know, I've seen a few matches here and there in NXT. He's very brutal. Uh, and he's got some real creepy psychology that he does with his opponents. Um, you know, because he gets them to a point where they're like lifeless, and then he does that kind of finisher that you saw him do in Our Truth, yeah, where he like kisses them and then flips them over. Yeah, really creepy. Yeah, so I think I think this will be really cool. Um, I'm glad they brought them up to the main roster. Yeah, I mean, I was I was noticing back when he was part of the uh, the new Nexus um, that he was he was above average in the ring. I mean, I, I'm sure that uh, some of the Psychology that comes along with this Bray Wyatt character is, uh, you know, certainly a step up from what he was doing. But uh, there are just things that you can tell um, from seeing, you know, some of his previous matches that just tells you that he's going to be an above-average wrestler. Yeah. And so this, I think, the ultimate, uh, you know, conclusion here is that we're really seeing WWE make a concerted effort to develop characters. You know, to develop guys. That are believable. That the the guy playing that character it, it fits him. It fits his personality. It, you feel like you don't feel like everything Bray said was completely scripted. You know, I mean, I'm sure most of it was, but 
you got to feel like the way he's able to present it so well that some of it is his own doing, you know. Yeah. He's putting putting some of his own spin on it. Right. Um, you know, and because I was out of the wrestling game for several years, um, and it seemed to me that what they were doing in, like, the mid to late, two, you know, 20, 20 aughts, like from, I don't know, I guess 2007 to 2010 or so, it was just a lot of bland characters, you know, like Alex Riley and these guys with just first and last names and no depth. Um, but now, like, we've just had a steady flow of really cool characters, Damian Sandow, The Shield, Ryback, the Bray, you know, Bray Wyatt family. Yeah. Uh, we're just consistently getting new stuff here that they can kind of mix and match. And it, it seems like the future's going to be bright with all these guys running around. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic about it. Um, you know, I, I think, I think if, if you look at the roster, you know, 10 years ago, you got a lot of guys who are, you know, they have their own little nuances, but, you know, there's a lot of similarity between guys and, and something I was kind of, and this is, this is going to be really dumb, but I'm going to say it anyway, but, uh, you know, CM Punk, uh, back in the indies, um, he wore board shorts, right? And and he looked like he was a guy on the beach, you know, getting ready to surf or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and he shows up in WWE and he's wearing the same short, you know, underwear style tights that a lot of other guys wear. And I just, that's the one thing about wrestling that I just, I don't get is why is it, that so many guys just wear the same thing that, you know, is, is I don't know, I, I don't consider it particularly manly. And, right. and, I mean, some people call it fashionable if they want, but the only thing that's fashionable about it is, you know, that each guy has their own trademark design or color signatures or whatever. Um, yeah, I get what you're saying. And it seemed like for a long time that was pretty much all anybody wore, right? Yeah, and and now you have you know Ryback. He wears the thing that looks like RVD, and you know whatever. Uh, John Cena certainly doesn't wear you know, short tights, and uh, you know Bray Wyatt. He clearly doesn't, right? I mean, he's wearing you know pants and the uh, the shirt and the Hawaiian shirt, and you know yeah. whatever. The shield uh, has their armor. Yeah, so I think I think anytime you can get to a point where you know guys are dressing differently, it, it just it adds something to their character. I mean, totally. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, and it, that's funny you bring that up because I was noticing in my uh, 1999 review, um, I guess it was around April or May where Triple H switched from wearing you know the full pants to his nut huggers. Right. Um, and you know, it's weird cause, and yeah, he probably changed some other stuff. I guess he started wetting his hair down more or whatever, but it did make him feel more badass, you know, cause the pants give you more of a feel like this guy is kind of a high flyer or like a, like a teenager kind of style character. And then the nut huggers make him seem like, oh, this guy's legit. Like he's ready to kick someone's ass. Yeah, like a like a bodybuilder type. Uh, yeah, just no frills, just going you know, so toe to toe. There's something with the perception that changed with Triple H doing that, and I, and I was actually thinking about Damian Sandow, um, that you know he needs a little extra development, and I'm just wondering if they're ever going to change up what he wears. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't even know that he has anything on his uh, his shorties, right? No. No, and half the time they're pink or purple, you know. It's just like he needs a little more edge, I think, to get to the next level. So hopefully they tweak him up a bit over this next few months while he's carrying around the briefcase and all that, you know. Yeah, I mean, he could certainly use uh, an updated style. Yeah. I mean, the, the the bathrobe is fantastic. Oh, absolutely. But, yeah, something in the ring to look a little more intimidating. Because yeah. he's obviously intimidating on the mic already. He can go, he can go toe to toe with anyone. He just needs to be a little more in the ring, which yeah, I think is what the, what the ultimate. You know, I think that's what the thought process was with Triple H, and I just you know, not that Santos on that level, but he's a similar kind of character where he came in with a similar shtick and all that, and he just he needs to develop a little more. Yeah, and, and you know, with all the catchphrases and and monikers that Damian Sandow has, 
why not give him those long tights, you know, the ones that go all the way down to the boots, and why not just have different ones that have different sayings written down the legs? Right. You know, I mean, at, at this point, it would be a step up if, if they just kept the short shorts in purple and pink and, and wrote, you're welcome, on the back, right? But, I mean, I feel like, you know, I mean, list them off. I mean, he's got so many names that he calls himself. Oh, yeah. Write, write that down the, the leg, the side leg of the pants, right? Sure. The you sultan of sophistication. Exactly. Yeah, and or you could have, like, famous philosophers like Kierkegaard or something, you know, like, listed on do like the airbrush, like uh, was it uh, Rick Rude back in the day would airbrush things on his. Uh, there you go. And uh, you know that one time where he had uh, Jake the Snake Roberts' wife uh, airbrushed on his pants. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> one, one of my favorite uh, wrestling moments was uh, that feud because I like both those guys. So. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't really see a whole lot of that. That was a little bit before I got really into it. But see, and I did see Jake feuding with uh, Macho Man. That was a good one too. See, and and these are uh, these are more of those throwback uh, special edition podcasts we're gonna have to have. Oh, absolutely. And uh, we'll find a way to work the uh, the videos in and link it up on the page, and it'll be excellent. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, I think that's probably all we got for this week, unless there's anything we missed. I think we covered just about everything. I think it's time to uh, to queue up. Uh, some kind of music. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll go out with the shield, I think, for yeah. this week. I, I think there's probably too many people out there who didn't understand that uh, in previous weeks we were using uh, one of the uh, one of the first uh, versions of Mankind's music when he was well, back in that creepy... The thing series. is, it was the exit theme. He didn't come out to it. It was right. only at the end of his matches he would play, and I thought that was kind of... I don't recall anybody else having different entrance and exit teams. So it seemed appropriate for a podcast to exit with the one of the exit team. I'll give you props on that. It was was definitely a nice touch to the show, but I think uh, there was too many people who didn't understand that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it just ended up sounding like you're going after classical music. Sure, sure, sure. All right. Well, that's it for this week. Uh, Hopefully around the same bat time and same bat channel next week we'll get some uh, fallout from Smackdown and, uh, and Raw next week. Yep, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be working on a, uh, a way for people to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and potentially other outlets. But otherwise, yep. look for us on guysnation.com. Alrighty, see you later Rob. Good one.